Hey, Nikki. Hey, Selena. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Sweet Tea and TV. Hey, y'all. <clears throat> well, before we jump into today's episode, we have news. News? News. I wish I had a sound effect for that. What? That's the news alert. That'll work. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> so we have a new Patreon. Yay. Alyssa. So everybody gets a shout out. I like to do a song. I like to do a song. You're lucky I didn't start singing your song just then and take it from you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's good. <laughs> it is so good. You're going to love this. So, Alyssa, thanks for joining us and for signing up. I guess I can't pretend like you're not my friend. <laughs> oh, this feels a little awkward. <coughs> but here's your song. This one goes out to Patreon Alyssa. Oh, Alyssa, oh, Alyssa, you are now a Patreon. <laughs> that means you get this terrible song. Now you can listen to Sweet Tea and TV all day long. Oh, Alyssa, oh, Alyssa. All right. Did you like my harmonizing? That was nice. <laughs> it was probably better than the singing. <laughs> I think I missed some notes right there in the middle. Sorry about that, Alyssa. It's love. <laughs> An attempt was made. We tried. Well, so I just see Alyssa taking it back now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cancel. Stay with us. Uh, so episode two. We're ready? <laughs> I got no transition there except for to say thank you. Welcome to the family. You are already here in the family, but now you're also paying for it. <laughs> that's, that's what my nice. entire family feels like. Uh, and we have the raw audio of that song, Alyssa, if you'd like it, or, and or if there are any record, record executives out there listening who are interested in signing Selena. Happy to share. <laughs> I'm always here. So we are to Designing Women Season 4, Episode 2, called One Night With You. Uh, the description from Hulu and IMDb, and I think it's been lost to the sands of time. Did you merge these two together? I don't remember. Okay. I think <laughs> Selena merged these two together. So Probably. A terminate... Well, there you go. <laughs> a terminally ill classmate of Julia's has one dying wish to spend the night with her. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my sound effect bank and I'm like, let's just, let's just see what we got here. Let's just real quick. Actually, uh, this is the one I thought of. <laughs> uh, so the air date on this one was September 25th, 1989. We're calling this one Julia's date with a high school stalker. Because I got to title it, and I didn't feel good about this one. Uh, it was written by LBT, and it was directed by David Trainer. So let's get into general reactions and stray observations. What you got, Selena? Well, I didn't share any of these with you beforehand, but I oh, did. Oh, Lord, mercy. I did oh, tell Lord. you. They're all questions. Okay. They're all discussions I feel like we have to have. Hit me with your best shot. Okay. So if this happened to you, like... Someone's dying wish was to spend one night with you. Would it flatter you, scare you, or both? 
So it's we're, we are on the same mark with these two with back to back episodes because my first general reaction I think is an answer to your question, which is this is so freaking awkward. And like some of the women were putting it off like it's so romantic and oh how sweet. I'd be so freaked out. Well, I would be have so it was freaked that out. Sweet because they followed her to the rest. Charlene did. And Charlene just went around, went along with the rest of them, even though she thought it was That's, super romantical. Yeah, Charlie. I would be super freaked out, and I cannot decide if that makes me a horrible person or not. Hmm. So what's your answer to that question? Make me feel better. Well, both. Um, yeah, I mean, more than fear, like probably alarming amounts of discomfort as someone who never really enjoyed attention mm -hmm. and still doesn't. The fear part would be intensified or neutralized depending on whatever energy that person kind of gave off. I, I think it would just depend. Okay. Um, he seemed mainly harmless, which would lead me into my second kind of question that I wanted to ask you. But before we go there, what, what other general reactions have you had? I'm going to go back to something we talked about in episode one, which is dumping on Suzanne when she's trying to do something good. Mm, okay. I think it's terrible that she was trying to raise money for literacy and continued to find herself the butt of the jokes uh, in this episode. They were just like, I don't know, like ragging on her for wanting to do this. Now, she brought some of it on herself by being so rude to Charlene, but she was trying to do a good thing. I just don't like it. You have a very interesting read. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it's all super forgiving of Suzanne. Is that what I hear you saying? I think, I mean, yes, but also like, I feel like with Suzanne, um, the, at least the character and not, I love Suzanne. Okay. I really do. I, I love, it sure doesn't seem like I love it. all of our characters. As you make fun of her, like the rest of the characters. I'm not a Suzanne apologizer. <laughs> um, but I think like she kind of strikes me as one of those people that, is is it really about the literacy or is it like I'm a rich person and we do these charities because this is can't what we do. both things be true? They absolutely can. They absolutely can. So, but I you're seeing it as Suzanne's story. I'm seeing it as Charlene's story. That's what I oh say. well it's yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the, her. Uh, it's her moment to have a like to be to come out on top. You know, she sure did. She yeah. sure did that that part where they were in the restaurant and Suzanne did something and she goes, it's fine. Just don't do it again. That was just such a funny delivery from Charlene of all people. Yeah. It's fine. Just don't let it happen again. Uh, the other general that I wanted to mention, does it strike you that they keep envisioning Anthony as the muscle? <laughs> so like in this one, they wanted him nearby in din at dinner just like in case Julia needed him and um, that – like there have just been other episodes where they call Anthony in and you're sure. like – like the it's one with the Anthony. construction worker. Yeah. Like, what is he going to do? Yeah. He's Anthony. And I think he's made that very clear. I think that's just uh, patriarchy. Just patriarchy, man. <laughs> so, reactions to Dawn. I wanted to know what yours were. Mm. Creepy. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I feel a little... Um, a little of two minds on it, but I, I wanted to say like, first, just like on paper, he's a super normal looking guy, which isn't on paper, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what well, is if it's a picture that of him? Have not been the best. Like just I, by appearance alone, he is. And they kept 
making him out like he was some kind of major nerd alert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, just, it's kind of weird. I actually thought he was kind of nice looking, like yeah. in a little bit of like a nerdy way. And Julia but, did too. Well, him. Oh. He reminds me of like an older Dan uh, Levy type. Oh, interesting. Like I thought they kind of look similar. Um, he's also on the show. This is the paper part. Here we okay. go. He's an astronomer, so I would think he's probably a little successful. You know, I'm not sure I buy that he was someone who was still alone. I mean, I know he's portrayed as like just holding this eternal candle for Julia, but I don't know. I thought that was kind of weird. I I, I think I feel it, like astronomers was someone must spend a lot of time alone. At night outside. So I don't know. I could kind of see that he was still alone. Yeah. I just thought he was, he seemed very sweet mm-hmm. and he seemed very earnest. Mm-hmm. I think any adult man who tells a charitable organization that his one wish before he dies is to go on a date with someone he hasn't seen in 40 years. Who didn't know he existed. Who had no idea he existed is so, it's a strange choice. So. It's a choice. I th- off-putting. Yes. Was what. <laughs> Creepy. A little bit more intense for you. But for me, like, uh, it was part of the way he talked, too, once they got in the restaurant. So, especially like the, all I ever saw was you. Like, if someone said that to me, so I would be like. weird. Like, if Casey said that to me, I would be like, shut up. <laughs> I now, mean, first of all, I mean, uh, liar. I would love to hear Kyle say that, to be honest. Um, I want to hear that I'm the only person he sees in the room, despite my not wonderful dressing and messed up hair and lack of makeup most days these days. I would like to hear him say that. But a guy I haven't seen in 40 years. That's different than all I ever saw was you. Like, I don't know. There's something about that. that I would like to hear you say that, Celine. just feels like a huge red, red flag. Well, I'll remember that this next week. Maybe we'll I thought... You're just so damn beautiful. What a weird line. Well, so later they're slow dancing. Then he's reading her poetry. It's just too much for me. Like, I think it's just like um, that kind of traditional romance. It's just not for me. I, I understand some people probably really enjoy it. But, like, I did. But what do you think about him compared to Reese? Oh, well, that's a good that's question. Tough. That's a real question. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, Reese calls her like, what does he call her? Like Tomcat, Wildcat, or what is it he calls her? Regularly? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Saucy, spicy, simmery. <laughs> it's sassy. He calls her sassy. Is she a lady or a stew? <laughs> he calls sassy. her sassy. Okay. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I. So the other thing is, too, that this raised for me was like, is this cheating? Yes. Yes, the whole thing was so I I will say I loved when they said, well, what did, she said, I told Reese, I told him he was dying. And Reese said, we're all dying. I thought that was really, really funny. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was total cheating. This reminded me actually of that scene between Julia and Wynn Dollarhide in the play oh, that we saw. Yeah, I wonder if she was thinking about that when she wrote this. Not quite as heated, obviously, but it was definitely as romantic. Are you staring at this? spot on my eye it's like one ray of sunshine right in my right eye i just feel like that's all you're looking at nikki looks like a villain from the future <laughs> but that reminded me of that her and win scene so to me yes it's cheating 
It was very intimate. Well. And they turned off the porch light at one point. Yeah, they're having an inc- incredibly romantic night. They're being really flirty. There's a kiss. He's staying the night. <laughs> It is made clear they won't have sex. So, wait, I'm sorry, real quick. What about this made you wonder, is it cheating? Where is your, you help me understand your well, moral compass on this. I don't know if there's a, like a dying loophole. <laughs> <laughs> but it is incredibly intimate, I think, yeah. is, the, is the thing. and But it is imparted to us as not cheating. I, I don't think there's a dying loophole um, if, if your partner's not the one dying so like if kyle's not dying and i have to continue living with him but this other person is i still don't want them to have a romantic night together so if reese was dying then julia or reese can go and have like no 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 i was thinking if julia was dying then maybe there's a little bit of a loophole there where she's like but me and zach efren we really had this thing (laughs) It's it's the the dying the loophole path, and the, the whole path. <laughs> those have to those two things have to coexist in my opinion. Well, I was like just trying. So the way that I finally came around to it doesn't work for me is like putting Casey in the scenario of Julia, like he's meeting up with some girl from high school. Hundred percent no. Uh, and I, so I'm like, yeah, it's probably pretty questionable. Jeez, I don't know. I love that. I would need to take a beat on that one. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's a hard pass for me. And it's not, I don't think it's just insecurity. I just think that's like, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Strays? That's uh, most of my reactions are that. Did you catch a reference to Tom Ketcherside, the guy from the nudist colony? I don't think so. Um. So in season three, there's the episode where the sugar bakers are called in to decorate a nudist colony. Mm-hmm. When Suzanne is reporting back in this episode, reporting back on the latest gossip from mm-hmm. Trish Weddington, she says Nelda Ketcherside's husband has become, quote, a complete homosexual. How many people have the last name Ketcherside? I don't know, because what's that other name that she likes, too? It's not uh, Cypherstone. Or something like, like, and she just I was uses thinking it all Regina the time. Phalanges, and I had the wrong, the wrong show. That's a friend's reference. Oopsie poopsie. <laughs> Oops. uh, I don't know, but I, I actually labeled it as a possible reference That's to Tom Catcher's side. Yeah. Uh, and then I have a cut line that I was going to mention. Uh, Suzanne was telling Charlene and Mary Jo that she thought they were tricking her. In that discussion, she makes a reference to the movie Gaslight. Mm-hmm. I'm only bringing that up because gaslight as a word was recognized by Merriam-Webster's Dictionary as the word of the year in 2022 uh, because of its significant rise in popularity. Mm-hmm. The word comes from the 1944 movie Suzanne's Referencing, which was based on a 1930s British play. I stand by the old movies being like super twisted. They are crazy. This movie, so the one we talked about in episode one this season was um, like sisters having fights and like paralyzing one another. Whatever happened to Baby Jane. Exactly. Gaslighting this movie is where a man tries to trick his wife into believing she's delusional and psychotic, basically so he can rob her because she's like wealthy. Um, So one tactic he uses is having the gas powered lights in the hallway dim occasionally. And then he tells her it's not real and it's all her imagination. Hmm. He's gaslighting her Mm -hmm. so that she thinks she's crazy. Hmm. So I saw I saw that cut line and I was like, oh, we're going to have to talk about this gaslighting thing. But I couldn't talk about it in references because it wasn't actually in the episode. Oh, Fair enough. See, that was my last stray. So mine is when Donald is describing Julia in high school and running into class with her black Spanish shawl. 
What? I had to look up a Spanish shawl. What? What is that? That what? sounds so ridiculous. She's what, 16? She's wearing a shawl? Of all people. That's what I that. said, though. I said, so she probably was wearing a shawl, a brooch, and elbow length gloves. Probably. She also drove an Aston Martin, which I just, an old one, but I, I just thought that was a little reminder about her and Suzanne coming from a fair amount of money. I drove an Eagle Talon. So. I mean, I drove a Cavalier. <laughs> If that doesn't scream money. (laughs) Okay, my last stray. Did sugar bakers look different to you? You know what? It's funny you say that. I would have to rewatch this particular episode, but in pre-watching this season, there have been a couple of times it occurred to me, so I wonder if this was one of those times. So, like, the kitchen and the bar area looked different to me. Okay. Although I couldn't put my finger on it, so it's, like, hard to say exactly what it was, but I don't know if, like, maybe they moved some stuff around or, like, maybe they took something away, Mm -hmm. but it almost felt bigger, Mm -hmm. and then... When they were dancing at night, it didn't look like the same place to me at all. Mm -hmm. I think they like came in like looking at it through the window or something. And I was like, where is this? They wanted you to have that feeling of we're voyeurs on this romantic, intimate night. So we're going to go in through the window. Uh, (laughs) Ah, it was wonderful. I understood the stage direction there. Got it. It added to my creeper vibe. Well, uh, so what else did you like? (laughs) I'm just kidding. What did you like about this episode? There's not a lot here for me. Um, There's really not a lot. Uh, The whole episode was awkward to me, but there were a couple of really fun, funny one-liners or bits that I thought really made me laugh. Like, for instance, learning, um, obviously, all the influential rich people that Charlene knows. Which never helped out with the business, by the way. (laughs) You that's know, like a, I'll just drive that's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't think about it until we started talking, to be fair. But like mm-hmm. there's been times where they're like, we're on the brink of bankruptcy. And she's like. I could see Charlene not wanting to call those people for that, though. Yeah. This she felt like she was calling them for philanthropy. Uh-huh. That's different. Yeah. Uh, I also really loved when Suzanne got to hand that note over to Julia after getting like this whole oh, lecture yeah. about how she should do this and then find out it's it's Julia. And she's like, oh, this can be, what does she say to the guy? Like, he says, I'm so sorry for the mistake. And she's like, no problem. It can be corrected. She hands the paper. That just must have been really gratifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? What did you up. like? I uh, I really loved the whole thing between her and Suzanne. Yeah, that was well done. Um, or Charlene and Suzanne. And I just, I, I'm a sucker for a character subverting some kind of stereotypical expectation. Mm. And so in this case, you know, I think uh, Suzanne has, I mean, this has kind of been a season by season runner of Suzanne thinking I mean, she thinks that Charlene's a little, not as good as her, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly. And so for her to be like coming in and kind of saving the day was kind of cool. Yeah, that was good. Um, I do agree that you, we kind of continue to see Suzanne become the butt of jokes. And I don't love that because I don't just really don't love anyone to become the butt of jokes. But if someone <laughs> but. out of those group of women is going to be, it really should be her, Julia. Because yeah. it's punching up, not punching down. Um. <laughs> I only like to punch up. And then I just, you already talked about this, but I did really like the part where Suzanne comes in. Her line delivery 
like relaying that story from being in the beauty salon or whatever with Julia's high school classmate. Oh, mm-hmm. um, I just thought that the way that she talked about that, the way that she was like gossiping, it all seemed like really realistic, true to the character. Mm-hmm. And just the way that she said it was super funny. She also said, she says, Trish is just a year behind you, but she's got like a lot more lines through here. <laughs> and she points at the laugh lines by her mouth. Um, but I was going to, I'll tell you right now, I'll give you $10 if you can tell me the technical name for the laugh lines. Oh, you'll say it and I'll know it. Well, yeah. Are they like the 11s or the 10s? It's more technical than that. Oh, okay. Then no, I don't know. Tell okay. Me. These are 11s. Okay. I look at these right here. <laughs> Between your eyebrows. Mine are on full display. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is a podcast. Uh, they're called nasolabial folds. <laughs> I knew you'd love it. And we're going to put that on the list with moist, crust, and whatever else sounds terrible. I have got to find out how I can work that into a meeting at work. Why is it nasal? Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on one second. I'm just going to rub my nasolabials. (laughs) Ah, my nasolabials. (laughs) Why does it sound so... Labial? (laughs) Could have say vaginal, <laughs> but yes, it's like it's like it being called the areolas of your face. Oh my God, could you imagine going in and asking for Botox on your nasolabials and like the beauty spa lady even knowing what you're talking about? What? <laughs> They're like, pull your pants down because <laughs> they do that too. <laughs> all right, that's all I had. Oh, thank Just God, those nasolabials. Uh. I forgot that I have a, um, there was, there were, there were like a lot of really funny one-liners. Another one that I really liked was uh, Donald Trump couldn't even be Sam Walton's shoeshine boy. Mm-hmm. It was a highlight for me because I, I just, for a lot of reasons, one of which I think is obvious. Um, but also like, I just loved how it was sort of like this comparison of their finances. Uh, the mm-hmm. other thing I really liked about it is that it leads me into a segment uh, where I'm going to take over Selena's sidebar for a Nikki sidebar. Is that Okay. I accept. It's a sidebar, Nikki. Sidebar, she's got a keyboard looking for a reward by digging deep. In the I forgot about this one. Taking us on a detour. What you got, Nikki? It's Nikki. Sidebar. <laughs> it was a real joy to discover that one. I had forgotten about it. Can, now, can they hear you laughing all the way Yes, they can. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was putting this one together and you and I had been, uh, Selena and I had been planning for this season and she mentioned, uh, that I could take Selena sidebar and make a Nikki sidebar. I honestly had forgotten I had made this jingle at one point. And so I, something like rang in my head and I was like, let me just double check all my sound files. And I found this one and I listened to it and I died laughing all over again. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually funny or if it's just my sense of humor, but it makes me laugh. That's funny to me. Any Husies. That's what matters to me. Uh, so in the beginning of the episode, we got this whole list of famous Arkansans. Okay. I looked it up. Okay. I was saying famous Arkansians, Arcan- yeah. <laughs> famous Arkansas people. Uh, I looked it up and it sounds like there's like a little bit of debate, but Arkansans is where we land most of the time. I can see that. Okay. Twer it that we have any listeners from Arkansas who know the answer uh, and want to change my mind. Let me know because that's what I'm going with. Uh, So I'm going to go through the list of people she mentions, and I'm going to share a little bit about them. 
I also specifically looked up their net worth, if I could, in 1989 when this episode aired. Um, But in some instances, I think that wasn't possible. So I'll do the best I can. I'm doing the best I can. Or that. (laughs) So Mr. Sam refers to Sam Walton. Uh, Mr. Walton lived from 1918 to 1992. He was the founder of a little store called... Walmart. Well done. <laughs> Did you know it was interactive? No. And also, there's two Sam's Club. Oh, the Club okay. of Sam. Okay. Uh, he was actually born in Oklahoma, but for a time he lived in Missouri. And ultimately, after college and serving military time, he settled in Newport, Arkansas. Uh, when he got there, he used his military savings to buy a Ben Franklin variety store. Hmm. It sounds like an old fashioned version of Walmart. They had like a little bit of everything. Turns out he was really successful there, which super threatened his landlord, and he refused to renew his lease. So he had to go find a new location. Um, So he found a new location in downtown Bentonville, Arkansas, which is today the headquarters of Walmart, I believe. Not in my notes, but I think I know that. Um, I trust you. He had to negotiate for that spot like seven times he tried to get this spot. And um, there was this little um, anecdote about like his father-in-law went in and did one last ditch effort and actually like won over the landlord. So he got this space um, where he opened another Ben Franklin's franchise. um, And then that was, let me see. Oh, I didn't write down the year. By 1962 is when he opened the first Walmart. So he ran these um, Ben Franklin franchises for a little while and opened Walmart in 1962 in Rogers, Arkansas. So this episode says that Sam was Forbes' richest man in America in 1988 with an estimated net worth of 6,700 million. There's so many commas. I can't read it. Um, In 1989, when this episode actually aired, he had fallen to number 20. Hmm. Um, his net worth at that time was $1,800 million. For what it's worth, I don't think Walmart actually lost value during this time. Actually, I think it gained value during this time. I think he just shifted the reins as he got a little bit older, so his net worth shifted along with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, and ooh, he wasn't that long for the Mm-mm. world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, like, the, the episode says, and I'm not sure I was super clear about this, the episode says he's, like, the richest man in America, Uh he was in 1988. He was not by 1989 when this episode aired. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Second guy, second person they mentioned was Fred Smith. Longtime listeners may remember we've talked about him before. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the founder of FedEx and that whole rags to riches story we talked about in season two, episode 18. Um, the Cliff's Note version is that with just $5,000 left to his name, he pit stopped in Vegas, put the money down on a game of blackjack, and walked away with $27,000, which he put back into the business and got them back on the right track. Uh, he was born in Marks, Mississippi, into a business-oriented family. His dad was the founder of the Toddle House restaurant chain. Do you remember Toddle House? I've never heard of that before. It was around until about 1988. Um, well, fun fact. before my time. <laughs> The founder of Waffle House, Joe Rogers, was a regional manager of Toddle House before he founded Waffle House. Like T O D D L E? And it's like a brag. It sounds like Waffle House, honestly. Uh, his father had bought out the Toddle House chain when he was looking for a new investment because the Smith Motor Coach Company, which he started, was bought out by Greyhound. 
So Fred Smith's dad was pretty successful. Unfortunately, his dad died when he was four, leaving his mother and his uncles to raise them. So he grew up more or less in Memphis, Tennessee, and then attended Yale University. While he was there, he actually pitched the idea for FedEx in an econ class, but his teacher didn't think it was feasible, so he gave him a C. Um, two more fun facts. I just, I loved this. It has nothing to do with his net worth. Uh, he was a member of the Skull and Bone Secret Society. Do you remember that movie, The Skulls? Of course. (laughs) That was a good one. Uh, he was also a friend and fraternity brother of George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after college, Fred joined the Marines. He served two I don't know stints. why I said it like that. Like, I know. I'm like, oh, oh yes. Oh, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I remember when they were besties. <laughs> after college, he joined the Marines. He served two stints in Vietnam before he was honorably discharged. He earned a silver star, a bronze star, and two purple hearts for his service. Mm. Those are all really big deals if people don't know. Um, he founded FedEx in 1971 using his $4 million inheritance. Wikipedia notes that would be about $23 million in 2013 dollars. Um, well, not exactly a racks riches story. Right, right. I think $4 million is probably more money than I'll ever have in my life. But it doesn't feel like that much to me when I think of people who mo- went on to be like most rich people in America. Mm-hmm. $23 million feels like a lot more. <laughs> yeah, 23 feels significant. So after the Vegas incident, more or less, he continued building his wealth. Um, He really only very recently in 2022 stepped down as CEO and chairman of FedEx. Um, He opted instead for the title of executive chairman. Today, he's worth about $4.1 billion. Uh, Two things stuck out to me um, while reading about him. He doesn't actually appear on either the 1988 or the 1989 Forbes Wealthiest Americans list. Hmm. Um, also the tie to Arkansas is like really skimpy, um, and it was really old even for when this episode aired. So he originally founded FedEx in Arkansas in 1971, but had moved operations to Memphis within just like a couple of years because of lack of support from the airport in Little Rock. Do you think it's because, hmm, like I grew up in a small town and if someone famous like walk, breeze through, like they were probably going to put a plaque up, Maybe. you know, they're like, oh, uh, this person came through and they touched this wall. So here's a plaque now. Could be. Such a, so maybe that like, because of that tie to a place like Arkansas, that is like, it's middle America. You know, it's a rural, like there's a lot of rural areas. I'm not saying it's all rural. Um, and I know there's some really cool places in Arkansas too. So I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to poo poo on Arkansas. I'm just saying like when you are from a small place and you're not, you're not hustling and bustling and having famous people walk through every day, any tie feels extra special, mm-hmm. just like it did for my small town, if that makes any sense. So I it's wonder possible. if that's why she continues to kind of go back to that or the husband, Harry Thomason, if that's really his well, husband, <laughs> that man. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be true. Uh, next up was Wynn Rockefeller, the son of Winthrop. Um, This one is definitely more on the nose in terms of an Arkansas tie than um, Fred was. So uh, Wynn, as noted in the episode, is the son of Winthrop Rockefeller. He was the 17th lieutenant governor of Arkansas from 1996 to his death in 2006. His father before him was the governor of Arkansas. Um, His mother was an actress. He was born in New York City, then educated in the U.S. and in Switzerland. He went to Texas Christian University where he majored in ranch management oh. as a Rockefeller does um well see and for me I don't think like it it blew my mind because obviously he's like he's like what the great great grandson of like 
the Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. And you don't, like, I don't picture them in Arkansas. I picture them in New York. So, so there is, and I, I'll get into some of this here in a second. There is a whole thing about the Arkansas uh, Rockefellers and um, how they spent their entire life trying to lead a life of philanthropy and mm-hmm. public service, almost in a way to make up for having been so wealthy from being an oil tycoon, in a sense. Um, so back to when mm-hmm. uh, when Charlene knew him, he would have been on the Arkansas State Policy Commission, a role in which he served from 1981 to 1995. He started his political career in 1991, eventually rising to le- lieutenant governor in 1994. Um, of note, he served under Mike Huckabee for many years. I think Mike's is a name you hear a lot. Um, when you're talking about politics. Um, His Wikipedia says he was a big proponent of the economic interests of Arkansas and that he often sought out potential foreign investors traveling on his own dime and also donating his government salary to the charity, or to charity. Um, Obviously, that's pretty cool. Uh, He also put his college degree to work as a rancher, which is actually where he made his income. Um, And I guess partly what made it possible for him to donate his government salary was that he had this other... It's very small compared to his net worth. Yes, that's accurate. Um, He was married twice. He had a total of seven kids, I think, if I did all my math right. Um, He and his second wife started the Academy at Riverdale in Little Rock, a school for children with learning disabilities. Uh, Winthrop was on that 1988 Forbes list with a wealth of $800 million and $850 million in 1989. At his death in 2006, he was number 286 um, with a wealth of $1.2 billion. Uh, How? Ranch- how is there so much low? I mean, how is that so low on the list? Oh, yeah. That's Doesn't wild, that right? blow your mind? That's wild, right? People have... Some people, not the people right here necessarily, but some people have like just like an, a mind-boggling amount of money. It's money. wild. So one thing that stuck out to me, which I sort of alluded to a second ago, was that he's not what I would have expected of a billionaire. And I think it's really realistic he and Charlene, twere Charlene a real person, would really have hit it off um, and that he would have donated to Suzanne's like really small charitable effort. Mm. Um, he tried really hard to use his fortune to make the world better. Um, I'm going to link to an article I found out I found about his son um, and his son shares a few anecdotes. So his son is in, like 40-ish now um, and has inherited his dad's um, money and his business and all those things. And so he was being profiled about a cancer research wing at a hospital or some rich people things that that they were um, dedicating in his dad's name because his dad died um, of cancer, like, sadly and shockingly in 2006. Yeah, um, it went really fast. It right? sounds like it really did. Um, but his son told a couple little anecdotes about growing up in the family. And basically, like, for the longest time, until his friends told him he didn't know they were wealthy, his parents had a one-pair limit and a $50 cap on Nike shoes that he could buy. So they would say, like, you can have $50 and you can buy one pair and that's it. So, like, where, you know kid with a dad with a billion dollars probably could have afforded more but I think his parents wanted to keep him grounded that's nice it's really nice the article you should look at it because it was really interesting how it talks about going because you're interested in things like this going back to how did they end up in Arkansas why did they end up in Arkansas why would yeah it's, it's fascinating that's cool uh and so last but definitely not least was Bill Clinton I feel like he really both needs no introduction and also a segment all his own. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill is definitely the most famous person on this list, but he appears nowhere on the Forbes wealthiest people list. Just 
Spoiler alert. A quick Google search tells me his wealth is estimated about $80 million. So Poor guy. It's awful. It's really terrible. Uh, How does it feel to be in the poor house? <laughs> it's got to be tough. Uh, so I'm sure we're going to come back to Bill at some point in more detail. I know we've talked about him before um, when we talked about the Thomasons. Uh, I'll share at this time um, in his life where Designing Women aired, um, he was the governor of Arkansas. We know he was a friend of the Thomasons, and he was gearing up for a presidential run, and educational reform was his platform. So all of that checks out with the episode. Uh, and so just for kicks and giggles, I'm also going to include a link uh, to other famous Arkansans, which include actor Mary Steenbergen, okay. uh, author Maya Angelou, mm-hmm. and legendary c- college football coach Bear Bryant. Things we didn't like in this episode. I think I've been clear about mine. The episode? <laughs> yes. Correct. Um, I think the setup at the beginning dragged on a little too long. Like, we could have Making gotten... fun of Suzanne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just, like, we were with the Make-A-Wish guy. Like, oh. <laughs> like half the episode. That could like, have been a phone call. Yeah, we could have just... Couldn't this have been an email? I mean, it, you honestly... We honestly could have come in and Julia could have been talking about the fact that she's going on this date because mm. blah, blah, blah. You but we wouldn't saying? have gotten that gratifying Suzanne moment. That's true, and I like that. But, like, uh, as someone who doesn't write TV... <laughs> <laughs> I would do it so differently. I think we could have gotten there faster. So, um, but I do agree that that was a gratifying moment and it was a cute twist. But um, I also think, but the reason I would have tightened that up is because it would have given us more space to do something I think could have been really interesting. And that's more space with the rest of the ladies and Anthony Mm -hmm. as they're, what would you call it? Chaperoning the date, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, um, from a, from a nice distance. Like, I think we could have had more fun with that. Mm-hmm. It almost felt like maybe some things got cut from that area too. Um, but I think I would have rather have had more of that, less of the upfront space, certainly less of the poetry reading. <laughs> um, but that's pretty much for it for me. I mean, I think it was an okay episode, which good for you. gets us right into the rating. <laughs> Let's go right there. Uh, how, how would you like to rate this one? Nikki, a five? You want to mm. go higher than a five? Well, can time? we? Uh, so my rating scale is corny pickup lines. Mm-hmm. I'm giving this one a two out of five, and I will choose to never watch it again. She didn't like it. Mama did not. We don't get to watch things just one time around here. Did you just get to watch it once? No. I had to watch it twice. But I made the most of that second viewing. Uh, I gave it a 3.8. Out of five. Good Lord. Didn't you give the last episode a three? Yeah. Oh, Selena. Oh, sorry. What was your rating scale? I interrupted you. 3.8 out of five nasolabial folds. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad we got to come back to that. I, I, I don't know. I think, I think Julia's plot, um, think it I think it had a lot of heart even though I I may like I get it and like yes it is like a little whatever but also it is like really kind to do something for someone that like even if it because I don't think she wanted to do it I think maybe she did by the time she was there um I think she wanted to spend more time with him but I do think that some of that was out of um graciousness and like just a a read on the situation no matter how how weird it was like who cares? He's dying. Like, 
just if that's what he wants, just give it to him. Um, I know it would have been different if he was like, and sleep with me. <laughs> <laughs> what if he also like didn't die? Like, what if he hung on it for another been a two decades? Really awkward meeting at the grocery store later on. I don't. I don't know. I think you're just building up good karma, I guess. Um, but I thought the rest of the cast brought some much-needed humor because it is kind of a serious episode. It sort of put it in the tone of, like, the Elvis episode where mm-hmm. she, you know, is with the uh, truck driver. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Julia, just everybody she, falls in love with her. I was going to say. <laughs> she automatically there. happens. Uh, so for me, that's why I thought, like, those things made it a, a little bit above average for me. Fair enough. Uh, but... Also, I did not score any higher than that because I've seen what this show can do when it's firing on all cylinders, and this one wasn't quite at that level. Okay. 80s Things? I only have, between 80s Things, Southern Things, and references we need to talk about, I only have this one, which is uh, Jennifer Jones and Veronica from the Archie comics. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how he describes Julia. Uh, So Jennifer was an American actress born in 1919. She died in 1990. She was nominated for an Oscar five times over her 50-year career. A Farewell to Arms was the only movie in her filmography that I recognized. I didn't know any of the other ones. Um, Worth noting, she was a passionate mental health advocate, having attempted to kill herself once and having lost a daughter to suicide. Um, And also worth noting, Dixie Carter does kind of look like her. Uh, Veronica is a brunette character who's in the Archie comics. I could kind of see a resemblance. I'm sure there was something in like the way she carried herself or something that I don't get from not having seen them. She's sassy. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think, so I, I wonder, Jennifer Jones must be like a favorite of LBTs or something because I Mm. feel like she's come up before, but we haven't talked about her. I think it's like she's been in a litany kind of list before where I'm like, nope, it's one too many. We just named 18,000 movie stars. Oh, right. Um, But there's also a joke at some point about Suzanne and the farewell to arms or something, I feel like. In this episode? No. Oh, okay. Sometime over the course of the show. Oh, okay. So it makes me wonder like if she's a big fan or something. Maybe. Um, so eighties things I had old school sonogram pictures because Charlene comes in with her sonogram. Maybe. Uh, the, okay. Just the very idea of it's not make a wish. They're calling it make a dream come true. (laughs) Cause you know, (laughs) him coming in person. To find Julia, like, this oh. that whole thing would never happen today. Like, that's, that's, like, that would be an email. That would be a phone call. Like, it could have been a phone call. call. Yeah. Uh, so Suzanne's car phone, that was a nice little 80s relic. Oh, you're right. You went through all the Southern things. So if you guys didn't pick up on those, then you'll, Nick is sidebar, you're not listening. Because oh, oh, in the sidebar. I was like, <laughs> when did I talk about Southern? Where am I? It was like all, all Southern things. <laughs> Um, he and Julia are going to the most expensive restaurant in Atlanta, he being Donald. Oh, mm-hmm. And so I got curious, like, what would that have been then? And, you know, what would it be now? And so I did a little digging. I, it was really annoying. Sometimes they do these outside shots. And I guess they're setting them up where you really can't see. I was mm-hmm. like, does it say the Immaculate Twill Club? I was, like, trying to find all these things. Uh-huh. And I couldn't find that. But I did wind up asking my mom, like, what she thought, like, some contenders could have been. And she mentioned the mansion that closed in 2000 in Atlanta after a fire. It's subsequently bought by SCAD and it's known as the 
uh, Edward C. Peter, Peter's house or Ivy Hall. If you look it up, you'll know what it is. Okay. Um, Anthony's Fine Dining. This closed in 2011. I think it was only catering towards the end, but that was like a, a prom spot, like in my mom's day. Yeah. And then there was the Abbey. I wish this one was still open because I just think the whole concept is really cool. Um, but, but like, hmm. It was a real abbey that they turned into a restaurant like back in the 60s and the waiters wore robes like like um priest robes. Like, mm-hmm. Oh. So people were like this is the 60s. Super sacrilegious, in Atlanta. no? Yeah. Yes, they were not happy and I found like a, a 1962 news segment about it where the guy oh. is like trying to defend himself about like man we're just having fun. Like it's not religion's a big deal. not fun. <laughs> you tell them. <laughs> But anyways, I, this was a little harder for me to pinpoint, like when the Abbey went away. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's been closed for maybe 17 years or so now. And I think it's actually back to being a real Abbey again. So all, all is <laughs> what is the most expensive restaurant you've been to in Atlanta? I'm like, they're all expensive now. I feel like, um, I, I think I would have to give that some thought. Okay. Uh, what I'm, about you? I'm thinking of two very specific. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Fogo to show is really expensive. Um, we've only done that like one time. That's a Brazilian steakhouse. It's mm-hmm. in Buckhead. Um, Bones is right across the street. A steak, like a, a American steakhouse. Very expensive. Incidentally, like the best steak I've ever had in a restaurant. Um, but have I ever told you my preachy story? No, tell me now. So you said a prom restaurant. Preachy is where we went um, for our prom my oh, senior year. okay. I'm thinking... P-R-E-A-C-H-Y, not P-R-I-C-C-I. Yeah, I think it's an Italian restaurant. Yeah, you're right. I just, Southern. It's so expensive, or at least in my like 16-year-old mind it was. So then fast forward a couple years later, I'm working for this company and they take us there for a Christmas party. And it's me and Kyle. I convinced him to go with me. Um, This might have even been before we were married. I think it had to have been. So we went to this Christmas, this very small, intimate Christmas um, party, and they are trying to get me to buy drinks. They are trying to get me to get an appetizer for dinner. And Kyle and I were so, so broke that we were like, no, we're fine. This is like my first fancy dinner ever out for work. And it never occurred to me that they would pay for dinner, and they never said they would. So for the entire dinner at this fancy Italian restaurant, Kyle and I had water, We shared a salad and I think we shared an entree and we were just like, oh, we're just not hungry. We're going out later or whatever. And um, they brought the check around and they were like, we would love to honor you guys for such a great year at work. And so they paid for it. And Kyle and I only got (laughs) salad to share and one entree. And I couldn't even tell you now. I mean, that was probably 2009, maybe. I couldn't even tell you how much preachy costs. I just know it felt really expensive from my prom experience and my working experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, so there's been a couple, but like I, this was also something that was like a work event. And so I didn't have to pay for it, but like chops, mm-hmm. which is uh, an Atlanta staple. Yeah. Um, oh, we went to Bacchanalia last year and I had that we did like a, yeah, a tasting a- there. Um, and that, that place was, um, very delicious <laughs> as they all are a little bit more pricey than McDonald's. <laughs> um, no two for ones. I feel like Kyle would have like three other examples of really expensive meals we've had. 
I feel like there are more restaurants we've been to that I just am like, what? But I just feel like everything is like really right now expensive right now. Yeah. So it's 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 a little it's a little difficult. And then I feel like depending on um I think some people like what they consider expensive, other people don't. So like once you're at like thirty dollars for an entree, I'm like, whoo Yeah. Right. Woo! Right. Woo! Well that's why I was curious because that to me also same. That's expensive. Like an expensive dinner for me and Kyle is like a hundred and twenty dollars, maybe a hundred and fifty. Um but I know that you were like kind of enmeshed in the Atlanta restaurant industry. So I just imagine that you probably had a couple of run-ins at least experientially with restaurants that were way more expensive than that. Cause I respect that that's not even not when I the was tip of the iceberg. I guess that's true. <laughs> it's like a crappy downtown like convention, like gotcha. Ha, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to get around Atlanta. Now you're stuck here. <laughs> um, which is incidentally closed, but also across from some pretty expensive places in Atlanta. But we weren't one of them, although we were priced higher because one of the reasons why some of those restaurants are so expensive, it's not just the quality of the food. It's the place where they're located. Right. And the right. fact that rent is just like. I mean, when you hear some of these prices, sometimes you're like, I don't even know how you, like, how do you sell enough food to make that work? Yeah, that's true. So that's, that's kind of crazy. So uh, restaurants, guys, <laughs> stay tuned for our restaurant podcast. <laughs> I'm like, I would love to have it. I would love to have it. I, so I did not realize in my silliness that you were going to cover when Rockefeller. So that was my references to talk oh. about. That's why I was like, oh yeah. Like I actually knew things about him. <laughs> This is a well-oiled machine, this thing is. We are. <laughs> well, I mean, I, what it means now is we're saving time. It's true. Do you have any references that you had on your list? Nope, because you already told me that, and that's why we're a well-oiled machine. <laughs> I also have food on my shirt, incidentally, so we're doing great. Uh, you done? <laughs> <laughs> Am I ever. <laughs> so, next up, season four, episode three, There She Is. We'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Email Sweet Tea TV Pod at gmail.com. W <laughs> licking your shirt, Selena. www.sweettv.com. There are also several ways to support the show. Please tell your friends and family about us. Please leave us a rating or a review wherever you listen. You can also visit the support us page on our website for additional ways to support the show and come back later this week for extra sugar. What are, you what are you covering, Selena? Well, we're finally going to do a proper deep dive on the one, the only, Ms. Dixie Carter. Ooh. And just so you know, what was on my shirt was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for reporting back. You're welcome. <laughs> and you know what that means, Nikki. What does it mean, Selena? It means we'll see you around the bend. <laughs>